The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D.E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Greg King. Ashland stood at the window of one of the castle's three tall watchtowers and frowned, watching the preparations far below with a scowl on her face. The idea of losing her own people put a rock in her stomach. It was her fault this war was coming to their lands. Her fault that some of them would not see the peace that would come after the enemy was defeated. Though fighting in Seness had always been the plan, the ramifications of such a heavy battle were only now fully settling into her thoughts. It made her feel heavy, and she let go of a breath that came out in a hot gush that fogged the window and her view. That was a very labored sigh. Ashlyn turned her head to see Wesley coming up into the watchtower from the stairs below. She gave him a fleeting smile before returning her attention out the window. I wish there was more I could do to protect them. It is never easy when you must choose a path that will take someone's life. They know what comes, Hartling. They know why they fight. That hardly makes it easier. She watched the village and the small dots of people moving to and fro. I feel like I have condemned them. It was their choice. You made that clear. What would you say if your king asked you to fight? Would you hide with the weak, with the children? No. I would fight for my king and my country. Why? To run would mean cowardice. Precisely. We should have gone back as soon as that messenger was sent here. We should have attacked Laidley and not lain in wait for him to come here. This... What we are planning? What we anticipate? This will be a slaughter. How can you say that? If you do not have faith that this battle will be in our favor, how can you expect your people to? You are their queen now, Ashlyn. As much as they held you as such before, they will look to you even more with that crown upon your head. Is it my duty, then, to pretend I do not fear for their lives? Yes. I know it sounds callous, but in this situation it is the best thing you can do for them. The term is not fearless leader for nothing. But I am not fearless. She wrapped her arms around herself, as much to ward off the oncoming winter chill as to protect herself from what was coming. I was never more afraid for someone else than I am now. Even when I was inside of Tyg's castle and putting my very life at risk, I did not fear as I do now. Show that to me, not to them. Show it to Jaren because he's now the other half of you. Show it to the giver, love. Fatherly arms went around her and held her close. It didn't matter that she was now married and the ruler of her own land. As he kissed the top of her head, Ashlyn felt like she was still a little girl, seeking comfort and guidance from her father. We are on the side of justice. 
I took his life, Papa. Is that not a sin? Does it not say that we are not to kill and that vengeance is his? It does indeed. Yet, were Tig still alive, there'd be many more to fall at his hand, and with no real reason. What you did was for the good of many. Then as long as I am doing right by someone, doing wrong to someone else is justified? I do not think that is exactly correct. For a moment they stood together, drawing warmth from one another as they watched the village below. Ashlyn knew that Jaren and the Castle Knights would be testing the warriors soon. Gender did not qualify one to be in battle. Finesse, agility, skill, and the ability to keep a cool head did. Some of the men would be too old, too fat, or too slow. She could only hope there wouldn't be much trouble when they were told they'd go into hiding with most of the women and children. This feels different. Different than when I was in Sadia. How so? Ashlyn straightened but kept her arms around herself. I had no care, no thought or feeling for who would be hurt in the aftermath. I knew I was killing a man who had a wife and children. I knew, at least I assumed, he had people who genuinely cared for him and would feel the pain of his loss. Now, now, I care very much. I feel for my people, but I also mourn for those families who will await the return of their loved ones, only to never see them again. Ashlyn. Do not tell me not to think on it, Papa. My people, even my enemies, are still people to me. Lives that can be lost. They are not pawns, so easy to let be captured in order to defeat the king. I was not going to argue, Linny. Your fierce protectiveness of your people may be the very thing that wins us this war. You will think before you act because you want to spare lives. Even if you appear to be cold-hearted, which I believe at times you must, it will only be in their best interest. <laughs> it is little like parenting. You now compare warcrafting to parenting. It is a wonder I turned out as well as I did. You have no idea. By midday, the tournament field was filled with weapons and men and women of every age. They were waiting their turn to try and best Jaren and the men of the castle. Already several had passed the test and were being fitted by squires with armor that had seen its share of battles. Ashlyn, trading her court garments and crown for trousers and a loose braid, was at the other end of the field testing some of the men as well as some of the women who wanted to fight. So far, only one woman had passed while the others, along with a small handful of pride-wounded men, were told they would have to stay where it was safe. Kinaid was in a nearby field with a bow and quiver, practicing a craft she had not needed before but was thankful she was sufficient in. Alongside of her were many men and women who were more comfortable with the arrow than the sword. With a concentrated eye and a steady hand, Kinaid knocked an arrow, took aim, and hit her target more than thirty meters away. An arrow shot past her head, making her jump. 
It found its mark in an old oak several meters back from Kanade's own hit. She turned to see Sabari, the Nagin princess, grinning at her. Kanade blinked, slowly melting into a matching smile. Uh, that must have gone over fifty meters. Sabari nodded, lowering her bow. When you have to hunt for all of your food, you get very good at distant shots. Sometimes you need to be a lot further away from your target than you're normally comfortable with. What is your draw weight? Sixty-five. Really? Looking at Sabari's tattoos and bare arms, she could see the obvious strength there. I'm only at thirty-five. <laughs> Sabari offered her bow over in exchange for canades. She pulled the string back to test it before gently letting go to admire the wood. This is beautiful. Is it Willow? Yes. <laughs> Tazarin made it for me years ago. What is yours made of? It's so light. Ash. They traded back, and Sabari gave Kanade an encouraging smile. The more you shoot, the stronger your pull will be. I bet by the time we are done with this war, a thirty-five will feel too light for you. Kanade smiled, managing to somehow look confused as well. I'm not certain how that makes me feel. There was no chance to respond, for suddenly the sky darkened with a rushing wind. Everyone on the archery field looked up. Countless figures flew by overhead. The larum, with wings of every kind of bird, insect, and flying creature imaginable, were so numerous that they could have been an army all on their own. Our numbers grow by the hour. Kanade nodded, watching no land first, followed by his people. How are we going to feed everyone? Strapping her bow to her back, Sabari grinned once more. That is where my people come in. Ashlyn jogged past them to meet up with the Vlarum and give them a personal greeting. <sighs> is this everyone? <sighs> she looked at the sea of faces before her. They all looked ethereal with their grace and life figures. In their light gold and silver armor, they also looked like deadly men and women with spears, swords, and weapons of great potential destruction. This is a good portion of us. My second-in-command will be here with the rest before nightfall. He looked with pride at his people. All are well-trained in hand-to-hand fighting, as well as aerial combat. Excellent. Hear me! Every angelic and serene face turned to their king as he spoke. From this moment out, you will take your orders from High Queen Ashlyn and her husband, High King Jarin. Do not question or look to me for permission. For now, I am a warrior like you. In one solid action, each Valarum soldier touched their fist to their heart and bowed to Ashlyn. Thank you. Please see King Wesley in the tournament arena. He is keeping account of where everyone is and in what areas people are needed. As the large group started to move, Ashlyn stopped No from going with them by laying a hand on his arm. Both waited to speak, unmoving as the current of winged creatures flowed around them. When they saw the last one pass by the archery field, Ashlyn turned her head to look up into No's face. Thank you. I know the battle is for more than Seness now, but 
Thank you. Anything for you. Don't fight. Give me a good enough reason not to, and I promise I will give it some thought. She frowned, knowing her reasons wouldn't be acceptable. All she would offer were reasons as to why she shouldn't be fighting, and yet she was preparing herself for battle. I fear losing you, no. I couldn't live with myself if you died here, if Nuala was left to live without you. A harsh gust of winter wind blew Ashlyn closer to No. His magnificent white wings surrounded her to keep the biting chill away. Do you feel the wind? Even though I'm trying to protect you from it, do you feel the wind? Yes. Like my wings protecting you, the giver protects us in his wings. He holds us close and may not stop us from feeling the current or the chill. But he will do what is best for us if we let him. We must not forget he is there, Ashley. We must not forget he is on our side and fights with us. The moment we begin to believe we can do this on our own, without his help, we will lose this war. As the wind slowed and died, No looked around at the scattering of the leaves. The sky held clouds promising rain or worse, snow. This is my choice, he told Ashlyn at length, pulling his wings in tight against his back. Nuala and I know the possibilities. We are both accepting of them and choose to be here. We choose to fight, and we choose to trust in the giver's hand in all of this. We? Yes, Nuala fights as well. She's not as delicate as she would appear. Ashlyn placed her hands on her stomach. I feel sick about this. All of it. I have for days now. The winged man smiled in empathy. Rest. All will be well if you put your trust in the giver. He knows what he is doing. I'm glad someone does. Kanade and Sabari approached and Ashlyn looked at the darker woman and her bare arms and legs. How are you not freezing? I am cold. But I am also used to the weather. If it would make you feel better, I will wear a cloak when I return. Are you going somewhere? With the arrival of the Valarum and the others on the way, plus the addition of my people, there is not enough food. I knew we would run into that problem sooner or later. I will take some of my people and we will go hunting. Eat sparingly today, and tonight we may feast. Thank you, Sabari. Your help is much appreciated. Sabari bowed her head in reply before turning to go gather her people. Kanade started to go as well, but Ashlyn called after her. Where are you going? Kanade looked after Sabari. Hunting? She spoke as if the answer should have been obvious. No and Ashlyn exchanged a humored glance before Ashlyn crossed her arms. Since when do you hunt? You hate the idea of the carts in the castle killing the mice they catch. Well, they catch them to play with them. We will be hunting to feed ourselves. Besides, it will give me more practice with the bow. It was a point Ashlyn couldn't argue with. All right, but be careful. 
and take as many of our own archers with you as Sabori would allow. It would do them well to try hitting a moving target, and try not to come back with too many tattoos. Kanade narrowed her eyes and stuck out her tongue before running to catch up with Sabari. Ashlyn shook her head and gave a soft laugh. It amazes me to see the people a war would bring together in alliance. I've known of the Nagin tribes for most of my life, but I never expected to be fighting alongside of them. Like the trees, they were just there. It is alarming how much we overlook until there's a need. Ashlyn looked skyward, the dark clouds making her uneasy. The only people missing are the elves. And your friends. She frowned, slowly turning her eyes from the sky to her companion. It's been two weeks. I fear for them. You do not know where it is they had to travel to find the others. No squeezed her shoulder. They will return soon. Just remember to trust. It was cold in this strange, unexplored part of the world. Everything was new. The trees and buildings were different, and the people... They were simply beautiful in their uniqueness. Luela had seen some of them before, travelers to her own country. It was another thing to see them in their homeland. She was following Cavalon, lead after lead, on the hunt for the woman called Mei Xing. When it was first established that the elemental dragon of air still lived, they began the long road to finding her. Her lands covered an enormous region, sometimes too crowded with people to move through the light and shadows, or too thick with trees and forests to fly through. So walking was inevitable most of the time. They had been gone two weeks from the Celtic Isles and still had no trace of any of the three missing elementals, only confirmation that one still lived. We are running out of time, Luela told Cavalon as they walked through the fading light of evening in a particularly dense forest. My brother will be setting sail for the Isles soon, and we have nothing to show for our journey. Cavalon frowned under the hood of his cloak. It was even colder here, and he made no effort to hide how miserable he was. They both had been counting the days since their flight from Maltain. He told her his hopes were high in finding the others quickly. With so much time gone and nothing to show for it, they were getting more discouraged by the hour. If we still haven't found her by nightfall, We'll head for Badru's country. Badru? Like Cavalon, Luela huddled under her cloak as she walked, the damp bothering her more than the cold. It settled somewhere deep inside, preventing her from ever feeling completely dry from all the rain they saw. Badru is fire. His country is, well, the opposite of here. It's closer to my own homeland. If Neely, the water elemental, is still alive, you'll be able to call her without us having to go searching for her. Luela glanced at Cavalon, but kept her gaze mainly on the broken path before them. This way had not been traversed in a very long time. 
Brambles and stones and roots of overgrown trees were carefully hidden among the fallen leaves and had already tripped them both a time or two. Why could we not have had Ashlyn call Mei Xing? Because I wasn't sure Mei Xing was even still alive. As Ashlyn is still so young in the knowledge of herself. She wouldn't know how to call air even if I tried to talk her through it. Has to be organic, not forced. Perhaps it would have been a better idea to split up. Right. Because that would have helped you better understand your own abilities. Just throw you to the lions and hope for the best. Who's to say you'd even find whoever you were looking for? Who is to say I would not? We seem to be doing a smashing job together. Cavalon stopped suddenly, an arm going out to prevent Luella from taking another step. His eyes lifted, scanning the treetops. Unsure of what he was looking for or what caused his alarm, Luella looked as well. She saw nothing but the dark outline of green against a white cloud-covered sky. We're being tracked. Draw your sword. She reached up and pulled her claymore from the sheath on her back. Holding her sword in both hands, Luella moved to stand behind Cavalon, her back to his so there would be no chance of an ambush. Something like a rock being thrown or an acorn falling sounded to the left of them, and they both looked that way quickly. Cavlon was slow in pulling down the hood of his cloak, as though any sudden movement would be folly. The sudden rush of wind was a poor indication that something was heading their way, but the Badarian closed his eyes and listened, catching a small arrow with a stone tip in one hand before it hit him straight between the eyes. Listen to me carefully. I want you to shift, but not completely. Just your eyes. You'll be able to see better. How do I do that? Concentrate. Focus all of your energy into your eyes. Concentrate on the darkness of the shadows and think of nothing else. With arrows flying at us? That should not be hard to do. Her sarcasm was thick. But Luella did as was asked of her. She picked a particularly long and black shadow to focus on as Cavalon moved behind her, keeping an eye out for another possible attempt at attack. Before she knew what was really happening, her irises widened, taking up almost all of her eye in a brilliant blue, her pupil but a slim black slit in the center. I did it! She whispered excitedly seeing everything more clearly. It was a steep contrast to what she had just been seeing. Things in the shadows became as clear as if they were in the light, and things in the light appeared darkened. What do you see? Do you see any movement? Luella ran her keen dragon-eyed gaze over every area of shadow in the forest. No, I see nothing. She blinked seeing movement as she'd spoken her last word. Wait! There was something small and moving in the trees not too far off. There is something over there. Come on, then. With big hands balled into fists and still carrying the arrow, Cavalon started in the direction Luela indicated, irritation on his face. You should know that this probably wouldn't have even broken my skin. As if to prove his point, he snapped the arrow between two fingers, 
and let it fall to the carpet of leaves they walked over. Something whizzed past Luela's ear and sank into Cavalon's shoulder. He growled as Luela turned to see where a possible second assailant could be hiding. When she heard Cavalon hit the ground, her eyes widened as she crouched beside him. Cavalon? She pulled two darts from his skin and scanned the trees with panic on her face. Cavalon, can you hear me? He cannot, lady, came a female voice from above. Surrender yourself peacefully, else face the same fate as your oversized friend. Deciding she would most certainly not go peacefully, Luela stood. A thought had blue and gold flames licking her feet and crawling up her body. I forgive you your ignorance. You had no idea who you would meet this day. Another dart flew quickly and found its mark in her neck. The flames died as she lost consciousness and fell to the forest floor beside Cavalon. No, I didn't. But at least I came prepared. The smell in the air was what roused Luela from her deep sleep. It was smoky and warm, comforting even if a little more earthy than what she was used to. Blue eyes opened but felt too heavy to stay that way and quickly slid shut again. She was on a bed that felt and smelled of freshly cut straw. Turning her head slightly, she tried opening her eyes again and found Cavalon asleep beside her. The memory of what happened in the forest came back, and Luela fought a little harder to stay awake. Cavalon? She lifted a hand and touched the side of his face. His skin felt like fire under her icy cold fingers. Cavalon, can you hear me? He groaned, turning his face into her open palm. Uh, are we dead? <laughs> no. Feeling more awake, she lifted herself up on one elbow. I do not know where we are. The room they occupied seemed to be the only one in the small cabin. There was a table and a small kitchen area, and everything that decorated the interior had a homey feel to it. Hand-knitted blankets were on the bed and two chairs by the wall. Glass baubles on the sill of the window caught the light and cast showers of color on the ceiling. The smoky smell was coming from a lit fireplace near that bed. Before it, circled into a furry ball, was a sleeping black and white cat. Cavalon sat up to look around as well. The blanket that had been draped over them was cast back, and he got off the bed. As his boots hit the floor, the cat looked up and blinked sleep from bright yellow eyes. Did you get hit too? She nodded, a hand on her head. Feel like I had too much to drink. Just take your time. He led her to one of the chairs and helped her sit. Stay here. I'm going to have a look around. After making sure Luela was all right, Cavalon walked out the open front door to explore. The cat got to its feet and stretched, giving a tiny meow. Despite the dizziness, Luela smiled and pat her lap. Come here, kitty. Indignant, the cat sat and simply blinked, wrapping her long tail around her feet. Oh, you a shy kitty? No, I'm just not fond of being held by strangers. Luela screamed and jumped to the bed, bringing Cavalon back inside at a run. What is it? What happened? Are you okay? She's fine. 
I simply gave her a startle. Cavalon blinked, taking a step closer to the feline and crouching. A talking cat. Not a cat. She spat, her tail twitching in quiet irritation. I am a shifter. A buck a nickel, for your information. Her small furry form grew and shifted into that of a female with long black hair and browned almond-shaped eyes. Her small body was wrapped in a silky purple and white kimono. Meshing? She shook her head, a flattered smile lighting her face. I'm Mizusu. Meishin is my mother. Cavalon looked at her in awe. You look just like her. Thank you. She looked him over, curious. You're Cavalon. My mother has spoken of you. She'll be glad to see you and know that you are alive and well. Where is she? Looking out the window and up into the hazy sky, her eyes narrowed. She should be home soon. The sky darkens early with each passing day. She won't be out after dark. Misuzu offered a small smile. Forgive me for frightening you and for darting you earlier. It's rare that travelers pass through these woods. Rare is though that they are truly just travelers. More often than not, they are poachers that we need to confuse and send in the wrong direction. Poachers? Yes. They don't hunt game. But, my mother. My apologies, my lady. I don't know your name. Luella. It's a pleasure to meet you. So, it's come to that, has it? They hunt the elemental here. Not just the elemental. Misuzu added more wood to the fire, sending sparks up the chimney and bringing more of the sweet smoke into the room. Dragons as a whole are being hunted. Every part of them grows in value by the day. What is this world turning into? I understand now the necessity of the seclusion of this cabin. We've been forced into hiding. How is it you're able to shift into a cat? I can shift into more than that. My father was a full bucket nickel, a feline shifter that was revered more as a demon than anything else, simply because people didn't understand what he was. My father was one of the rare good ones. He was cat by birth and appearance, but he was many other things as well. I was born human, and I didn't know I could shift until I was three. A soft breeze blew through the open door, and Misuzu asked, Why are you here? You haven't seen my mother in many, many years, Kavalon. Why now? Isn't to introduce this new elemental? She looked at Luela. I saw your fire. Which one are you then? Darkness. Then I was incorrect. My mother said she knew Earth had passed a while ago, and I figured her child would come meet the opposite. Forgive my assumptions. There was a soft worry on her face. This is no friendly visit, is it? I wish I could say it was. Then please, tell us what brings such an old friend. To this part of the world. The doorway was no longer empty. Mei Xing had made no sound in her approach, though, now that he thought about it, Kavlon realized the soft breeze had probably been her approaching. She wore a long, wine-colored silk dress with patterns of white, gold, orange, and pink flowers. 
Her long dark hair was left flowing down her back and over her shoulders like liquid night. Smiling at her guests, she could have been Misuzu's twin. Cavlon stood and crossed the room in two big steps. He wrapped his arms around Mei Xing's tiny body and pulled her into a bear hug. She giggled like a little girl, linking her arms around his neck when he lifted her off the floor in the embrace. Mei Xing, you smell like the sky. My dear sweet Cavalon. When her feet were back on the floor, she lifted delicate hands to frame his face in her grasp, her smile brilliant. How I miss this beautiful smile. No beauty compares to yours, Adam, except that of your daughter, perhaps. Mei Xing looked at Misuzu with pride, lowering her hands. My daughter is beautiful, but who is this? Her brown slanted eyes fell upon the face of Luela. This is a woman of magic. A woman. She turned her face up to Cavalon's, a wrinkle of question blemishing her brow. Who is kindred to me? Luela stood, feeling disgustingly plain and dirty in her tunic and trousers. She bowed her head slightly. I am Luela of Sadia. My father was Mortog. Meixing's eyes lit up, first in excitement and recognition, then turned back to Cavalon with sorrow. I did not know. He died about twelve years ago. How? He glanced at Luela. She didn't even know how her true father had died. He was killed in his sleep by someone seeking his fortune. That is terrible. Meixing's eyes glistened showing how deeply she felt the pain of sudden loss. When she looked once again at Luela, she moved past Cavlon to enfold her in a warm and mothering embrace. I am truly sorry for your loss, sweet child. Your father was one of the most honorable men I have ever known. Thank you. Luela felt a little awed about the physical show of affection, especially from a woman she did not know at all. Her own mother had never been a person who showed care with touching. I am afraid you knew him better than I did. Meixing pulled back in confusion, but kept her hands on Luela's shoulders. I was born out of a secret affair. I never knew my real father. Oh. Meixing clutched a hand to her heart as though this pained her more than the news of Mortog's death. He was a wonderful man. Fully releasing Luela, Meixing's shoulders sagged with a sigh. Why have you both come here? Misuzu stood before anyone could answer. Mother, perhaps this will be best taken into the other room. I'll get us all some tea. Other room? Luela looked around the tiny cabin, but Meixing nodded. Please, follow me. Meixing walked to the kitchen area and pulled aside a rainbow-colored tapestry on the wall, revealing a hidden doorway. Luela and Cavalon followed her through and up baked clay stairs. The entire second floor of the cabin was one room devoted to entertaining company. There were plush pillows nearly everywhere and a hand-woven rug that covered the floor. Meixing moved toward a fireplace built into the wall and said, Please. Make yourselves comfortable. It'll be warmer in here in just a moment. Here. Let me. 
She smiled thankfully up at Cavallon as he started a fire, touching his arm tenderly. She found a spot near Luella and tucked her legs under her as she knelt and leaned back against one of the pillows. I prefer this fire to my own. They smell different with the wood. I don't know if you have noticed before. I have, Cavallon said even as Luella shook her head to say she hadn't. It smells more earthy and more comforting somehow. With the fire growing, he now sat on the floor as well. I didn't realize you were in hiding, May. Had I known as much, our search for you would have been quieter. Please do not worry yourself over it. Meixing took Cavalon's hand in her own and squeezed. There are much more important things that need to be discussed, correct? We have so much to talk about, and I must get better acquainted with this lovely young lady as well. So much to be done. Well, there should be plenty of time for that. His returning smile was not even half as bright as Mei Xing's. There's a battle brewing. Is there a time when battle is not brewing? At this, Cavalon had to at least chuckle. <laughs> True. But this one is different. This battle is being brought to the Celtic Isles. A little over a month ago, Tig was killed and his son, Laidley, is out for revenge. Why does he make war of the Celts? Because Ashlyn, Kevon's eldest, was the one to give Tig the poison. There's also no secret he wanted to find and destroy all the elementals. We believe Laidley may suspect her heritage, and is picking up where his father left off. In shock, Meixing's eyes widened, her gaze flickered between her two guests. But why? Basuzu came in with a tray as Cavalon told the story from the beginning, Luela correcting the bits he got wrong and filling in what was missing. At length, Meixing said, I see. She took a dainty sip of her tea while she thought. May I say something? Masuzu looked at Cavalon and Luela. You have joined in with this fight, one out of necessity and one loyal to old blood. What is it you hope to gain? Should you win? What will you lose if you don't? Luela took a breath and met Masuzu's eyes. I believe we both want to fight for both of the reasons you mentioned. It is necessary to stop my brother. But I also have a deep love for Ashlyn and her country and people. I know my father. My real father would have done the same, were he alive to do so. Yes, he would have. Cavalon nodded in agreement. Turning his gaze to Misuzu, he added to Luela's answer. What we hope to gain is our freedom. If Laidley is killed, Sadia goes to Luella. That will make two out of the six elementals in positions of high power. Power is not always the best thing. Neither is being hunted. May, you're hiding in your own country, and you're an elemental. That does not make me better than anyone else, Cavalon. You have always felt it does, but it does not. If anything, it makes us more of a servant than a master. How do you figure? She looked at her friend, troubled. 
causing the wind outside to move through the trees with a heartbreaking wail. Have you forgotten why Zubi exists? We were not created to rule the world, but to help save it. We are here on a mission. We are here to bring the message of the giver to every corner of the world, to every tongue and tribe, as it says in the scriptures. <sighs> I know that. But how can you do that hold up here like a scared animal? Unless we can get ourselves into a position where people have to listen to us, they won't listen at all. There is a difference between a captive audience and an audience that is being held captive. You cannot force someone to believe water is wet when they know it as dry. They must be open to looking at things from a different point of view. They must be open and receptive to another way of thinking, or you would be wasting your words. Or perhaps, your leadership. So what you are saying, is that we shouldn't fight lately. That we should let him win. He'll slaughter those people, May. He'll have no mercy on them, and then he'll come after us. Mei Xing was quiet for a long moment, staring into her cup of tea. When she did finally look up, there was a question in her eyes. You care? For them? Kavon looked down, as if ashamed. For a short moment, his gaze went to Luela, and he nodded. Yes, I do care for them. You fight for more than power. I fight to protect them. So yes, I fight for more than power. They're your family now. I can see it in a way you will not meet my eyes. Do not feel shame, Cavalon. Love is not a vulnerability, but one of the greatest strengths in the world. You have not let yourself feel it for too many years. It is time to allow yourself that gift once more. Turning to Luela, she asked. And you, young one? Do you care for them as well? These that has caused you pain? I do. I care for them very much. I will bite to protect them, or give my last breath trying. Mei Xing nodded, setting her cup down. Very well then. She stood, and Cavalon and Luela watched her with surprise. Very well what? What does that mean? Masuzu started to gather the teacups, and Mei Xing smiled. It means, I Yan that I have seen a beautiful change to your soul. There is love there now. Love that cannot be ignored. They got to their feet, and Luela shook her head in question. Does that mean you will help us? Taking Luela's face in her hands, Mei Xing kissed her like a mother comforting a baby. Of course, young one. Come, we must prepare to leave immediately.